0: Hi there and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. My guest today is David Goodman. David is an incredible sustainability expert and CEO of Eden Arc Group. David, would you like to introduce yourself, please?
1: I'm David Goodman. I run a company by the name of Edenart Group, and uh, you're correct, we're in the sustainability space.
0: How did you get started off in the energy sector?
1: Well, I was a a wee young lad. My grandfather and father were both automobile mechanics and the family business was was a garage and an auto garage and and I grew up being a, a an apprentice mechanic mechanic I would I would clean the shop floor and 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 clean all the parts and and then when I got a little bit older I got I was given the easy jobs of of working on cars so from Literally, the age of probably five or six. I was in a garage, and then a little bit later on, I was working on helping cars become more efficient. Working with engines, performance. So, so from from the earliest I can remember, I've always been around engines and and trying to get more efficiency and more performance, more power out of them.
0: Okay, excellent. Who was your role model? And why did you find them inspirational? I
1: would I would say my father and and, and my grandfather. I mean, I spent so much time with both of them um, when I was young, watching them both just on a daily basis, but watching them interact with clients and and watching them run that that small business and and the and and just the the way they went about their if you will, presentation. Back in those days, we didn't have you know personal brand or anything like that, but just the way they handled themselves and the way they they kept you know honesty and integrity and and work ethic. I, I was I was impressed then, and I'm in a, I'm still impressed to this day.
0: What do you find most challenging about your current role, and how do you handle it?
1: The biggest issue that we face is effectively communicating value. What, what people that we're speaking to, we, we help small to mid mid-sized enterprises, that would be an organization under 1 billion US dollars. What we do is we help them become environmentally certified sustainable. And people get that on the environment side. They get the fact that it's helping the planet what they don't understand and what we constantly have to work at is explaining the financial value the the fact that this really helps a business perform better and become more attractive to consumers and 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 the marketplace so so our biggest our biggest challenge is communicating the full value of what we're delivering
0: okay and do you think sustainability is going to be important in in the for just now in the in the energy sector and in the future
1: oh absolutely um so so the, the energy sector, and, and the energy sector is more than just fossil fuels. But yeah. even if we just focus just on fossil fuels, those organizations have to create a mechanism for their companies to effectively grow. And, and that if, if, you, if you continue to use all the resources, pretty soon you, you won't grow. So so sustainability and being able to maximize the resources that you have and making sure that there are resources tomorrow, not just today, is critical for, for any business in any sector.
0: Okay. Okay. And if a company was going to want to increase their sustainability, how would they go about doing that?
1: so there are you, you you're looking at the internal effort and the external impression so a company could tomorrow decide that they want to become more sustainable and they could they could do some studying and they could read some books and they could they could decide to do some things internally that would help their organization be greener, less less uh, less energy use and more sustainable. That's easy. The problem with that is there's so much greenwashing, there's so much misrepresentation, there's so much puffery in advertising, ie my toothpaste will give you the whitest white, that if that company wants the, if you will, attaboys, the the market appreciation that comes from doing the right thing, from comes from being becoming more sustainable, it's going to have to have some kind of third party validation because there are so many claims of sustainability that are just aren't true. So a company could do wonderful things internally and and if you will, check a lot of boxes in terms of becoming a more sustainable company. But the marketplace will not recognize or appreciate what they've done until they have some kind of a valid third- party certification or some kind of a of a validation for the marketplace to, to recognize that they really did the things that they said. So where I'm going here is, if a company just wants to do good and become more sustainable for all the right reasons, i.e. helping the planet and helping itself grow and be better, that is absolutely wonderful. But if that company also wants the revenue side and brand side gains that come with that, i.e. market appreciation increases in sales because consumers want to buy from good corporate citizens, that company is going to have to become certified by a, by a valid, legitimate third party so the market can, can see that they really did the things that they claimed they did.
0: Okay. Okay. Excellent. Interesting. How does your current role compare to the aspirations you had as a young boy?
1: Out of my current role compare to the aspirations I had as a young boy? Well, I when I was a young boy, I, I wanted to be a professional football player, I wanted to be Spider-Man, I wanted to be all those things. As I as I grew in and, and, and let's say early in my career, I in my early career, I didn't strive to do good. In other words, I wanted I wanted a career, I wanted to grow, I wanted to do all the things that a person that goes into business wants to do just on the personal side, the if you will, the narcissistic side. Let's 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 get a promotion, let's get a raise, let's 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 work harder than the guy in the in the in the next cubicle or whatever. At some point and I can't recall exactly when, but I recognized that uh, that was not as fulfilling as I originally thought it would be. And I wanted to do good. So if in in my case, I made a conscious choice that I'm going to work hard anyway, I might as well work hard at something that I love and and that I feel that I'm giving back. So for me, um, the, the choice was made to get into a business that I feel good about. And at the end of the day, I feel like I've maybe made the world a little little, little bit better than it was when, I, when the day started. And that, that means a lot to me.
0: Okay. Excellent. In your opinion, what makes an outstanding hire?
1: Uh, an outstanding hire, honesty, empathy, positive energy. We will not keep a person around if we find that they are not honest in every way. If, if they're misleading, if they're in any way misrepresenting, or if they're trying to get to an end in an inappropriate way, we won't have them on the team. Second, they, they, they must have empathy. They must care about others. That, that, that empathy comes out in a person asking questions, reaching out, wanting to hear about other people rather than just wanting to you know, sell your point. If, if you have empathy, you, you, you want to learn about that other person. And when you learn about that other person, you find out what their needs are and good things come out of that. And then, and then finally, if you will, cup half full versus cup half empty. You know, we, we all get up in the morning and, and we have all kinds of things that happen to us during that day. It's our choice to interpret those as a negative or as a positive. And if that person has positive energy and carries that with them and sees the good that happens in things, that's that's those three qualities: honesty, empathy, and positive energy are what we look for.
0: Excellent. It's good advice. Have you encountered any career disasters and how did you handle them?
1: Oh, career disasters for 25ish years I've been a corporate enhancement CEO or chairman where private equity or venture capital has hired me and parachuted me in to, to improve troubled companies so so I'm I'm put into some some pretty challenging environments and the in, in many many cases when I get into that company, I find that it's a it's a bigger mess than what you what you were told. And so, the the choices that you make in those situations, in effect, following what I was just saying before, you know, honesty, ethical, empathy, and 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 positive energy, are. Critical to those kinds of situations because you could, you have the opportunity to make bad decisions. You have the opportunity to make choices that may show short term gain, but not long term benefit. So I've, I've faced many, many situations where i was i was challenged in terms of making a choice that i thought was the good right decision versus let's call it a short-term uh, financial gain for for somebody
0: okay excellent in your opinion what has been your most i'll ask you what is your zone of genius
1: <laughs> zone of genius i i i don't I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I certainly wouldn't say that I have a zone of, Z, of genius.
0: Uh, what are you most good at?
1: Uh, what am I most good at? I think that what I learned and, and the reason why I've been a, a corporate enhancement executive for so many years is I seem to have the ability to sort through and find the key the key things to focus on and to stay focused on them. I mean, we, we all are busy during our day and you can fill up your day with a lot of, if you will, busy work. And at the end of the day, you're exhausted because you work so hard, but does that necessarily mean you work smart? You know, that whole work, 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 smart versus, versus, versus hard. And, and I found that when I'm, when I'm parachuted into, to troubled companies, there, you know, there are, there are alligators everywhere. You're, 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 you're in the water with, with, with all kinds of problems and, and finding those key things to focus on that will benefit the company and staying focused on those key things, not getting sucked into other directions is, is, is critical. And, and for some reason, I, I, I seem to be good at that. I I don't know why, but, but it seems to be something that's sort of a calling.
0: Okay. Thank you. How would you describe your typical working week?
1: I usually get up at um, 4 to 4.30 and do a, a good amount of, call it administrative work, and, and, and get things uh, done that I wasn't able to do the day before. And then starting with what, what most of us call the, the, the normal day of, of 8-ish a.m., uh, that's when I, I start communicating with people and uh, with, with staff and with, with uh, responding to whatever calls and such I, I, I have. Mid morning, I try to carve off some time for some strategic planning that allows us to 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 think about where we're going. The afternoon is is mostly just filled with filling the filling the pipeline of duties that, that are that are required. And then in the evening, I try to I try to catch up on um, on all those things I wasn't able to do during the during the day. So it's a uh, it's it, it's a it, it, I bounce back and forth between administrative and and growth and administrative and growth and and i try my best to carve out specific times of the day for that so that i can if you will reset my head so that my focus is better i I find that if i if i just sort of wade back and forth i don't do a good job i have to i have to carve out time and 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 reset myself so that i can focus properly on on the task at hand
0: Okay. Thank you. In your work and environment, who do you depend on the most?
1: Oof, the most? Um, we, have a, we have a wonderful team that, uh, that, I, that I'm def- dependent on every day uh, in, terms of, in terms of outside us we have some some great partners that that support what we do and that that help us with delivering our service. And so I'm I'm dependent on them because they're the the eyes and the ears for us to to take our service out to uh, out to other clients. So I mean I've got a I've got a staff that I'm that I'm that I'm obviously totally dependent on, and then I've got some third parties that are that are call it uh, business development uh, relationships.
0: Okay. Thank you. I just wondered when you started off in your uh, earlier career as a, as a mechanic, did you ever think you would ever work for yourself?
1: And so. so both Grandpa and Dad are rolling in the grave based on what you just said. I, I don't think either one of them would ever call me a mechanic. I wasn't a mechanic apprentice. I was a helper. i was I was not good enough to be a true mechanic. I, I just sort of uh, waddled around and tried to try to help them. It, did I Did I ever think that I was going to be an entrepreneur? Initially, probably not. I I was when I went to graduate school, I did so because I was looking to get in with a big company and and move away from a small entrepreneurial environment and 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 go, you know, work in the big city so to speak. So so early on, my goal was to 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 work for a big organization and I did. And and the, it was it was at some point in that journey where I felt you know uh, I I can do more and and that's when I started my own company whatever it was twenty six years ago so so early on probably not later on absolutely
0: so what made you decide to to set up a business set up your own business.
1: I was I was a partner in what at the time was the largest real estate company in the world and my organization was asking me to relocate to a to a different area and it was it was it was literally on the other side of the country and we didn't want to move to that other location partially because of the the responsibilities that I was going to have to have and the amount of time I was going to have to spend on an airplane and and it was it was the right time when I was when I was thinking about if you will, making the break, and a client a client wanted me to help them go public and uh, they 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 wanted me to come in and, and and help with that with that process and and be the executive on on an effort to to take a small company public so everything sort of aligned at the right time and um and, and I and I made the jump.
0: Do you ever regret making the jump?
1: I don't. I don't. I, I think that, um, you know, like, like, like a lot of people say, you know, when you, when you, when you know you need to do something, you know, the, the doing it sooner rather than later is always good. And, and I guess the only thing that I would maybe do differently is, is to have jumped sooner. I think that, that the last couple of years that, that I worked within the big company environment, I probably didn't grow as much it was, I was, I'd reached a level of seniority and a, and a level of, of responsibility where I, I was able to do what I was doing without growing a whole lot personally. I had a lot of people underneath me, thousands of people underneath me, and, and it just, there was, no, there was no personal growth per se. So had I left a little sooner, I'd have probably gotten to where I'm trying to get to faster.
0: Yeah, I can appreciate that because I think leaving a company where you pretty much have secure employment to go to start up a company by yourself would be quite would quite, be quite a scary prospect for a lot of people.
1: Oh yes, it it it, it the, there's a, there's a lot of second guessing through the process. Absolutely, there's a lot of fear. There there's a lot of wondering if um, not only if you should. But if your choice of, of options is correct, I mean, it's not just the question of, you know, should I go off on my own? But it's also the question of, should I go off on my own doing this? And so it, it, there, it, there are so many things that we can do out there in the world, making the choice of the thing that you think you're going to do well, that's, that's as much of the, in the mix as the, the choice to jump.
0: I can appreciate that. I, I can appreciate that. Thank you for that advice. What more to you when things get tough?
1: I've been asked this question by by staff, and to me, it is client feedback when 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 things are going rough or when we're not achieving uh, our goals as fast as we'd like, or when when like earlier when I said you know uh, trying to trying to explain the value of what we do and you get frustrated with, you know, why isn't the world lining up to do this? It makes so much sense. The, what, what I go back to is the, the, the feedback that we have from our existing clients. We have a 100% client retention rate. Our clients renew every year and 100% of our clients have renewed every year. So that says something about the value of what we're delivering. I mean, if, you, if you're a great salesman and you convince somebody to do something and they shouldn't have done it, they're not going to renew the next year. And, and, and so, knowing, just knowing that we're delivering the value that we are saying we're delivering gives me, gives me the comfort that I need to get through those, those rough patches. You know, when, you, when, you're, when you're struggling and, and then you stop and you say, now, wait a second, though, we're doing good. And our clients are happy. Let's put our big boy pants on and let's go back out and do more.
0: How do you and your company get your customers to the new year on year?
1: Well... They are happy with the with the value they're getting. I mean, it's it's not like we're twisting arms. Um, you know, once a company has signed up, and once a company is starting program, they are seeing the value that we're talking about, and so getting them to renew is is not. Is not a problem. We we, it, we it's, it's not a sales effort at that point. It's it's just a an administration effort of doing all the necessary paperwork and, and preparatory work. We don't have people saying, "Oh, by the way, you know, I'm really not sure if I want to do this again." They're 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 happy.
0: I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that they, I'm glad they are. Is there anything that you still want to achieve in your career?
1: Well, today, 97, 98% of all large large organizations around the world are, are have some kind of a sustainability program. They have sustainability staff. Sustainability, carbon neutrality are part of their operation. Less than 1% of SMEs of small to mid-sized enterprises have sustainability programs. Yet 67% of the world employment is SME. If we're going to make an impact on all the things that we want for a better world, we must get the engine that's driving the world, the, the SMEs on board. So what would I like to see? I'd like to see a, that, that 1% become five and ten and fifteen and twenty, and I'd like to see a movement within the SME community to become certified sustainable and, and to to use this as a way to grow their businesses because then then we will have effectively scaled this out in the proper way.
0: Do you think it's gonna be easy to get the the smaller companies to come on board with the sustainability?
1: easy. I, 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 I 100% believe that it'll be easier tomorrow than today and easier the next day than tomorrow. Given, given what I said before about the, the 100% retention, it works. So the issue is just educating and communicating the value. And when more and more sign up, then more and more will. I mean, I've been with a number of early stage companies where those first few innovators the 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 clients that signed up for because they did their own research and they and they and they really figured it out on their own those people became early adapters or well, they didn't come but but then we when then we got the early adapters then you get the early majority then you get the late majority then you get the laggards so so will it become easier absolutely we're seeing it already i mean we're most of our clients are come to coming to us through referral from our existing clients. So, whereas initially we had to do all the work, now our phone rings because somebody says, oh, by the way, a friend of mine who is one of your clients told me I should call you. So yes, absolutely. It, it, it is getting easier as we speak.
0: And what benefits would you think that, that it would have on a smaller company?
1: Mm, Well, certified sustainable companies are growing seven to 20 times faster than the non-certified peers. That's a good start. (laughs) I mean, consumers want to buy from good corporate citizens. Consumers are moving their loyalty from where they're currently buying when they find a certified sustainable company. Seven out of 10 of us will move our business if we find... Of similar product, you can't you can't you can't have a much higher price or or a, or a or a lesser value, but if two companies are offering basically the same product at basically the same price, and one of those two companies is certified sustainable, their sales go up, the others go down. Okay, that's that's the data that's out there from the. From the Nielsen's, the Forbes, the Harvard Business Reviews, the MIT's. I mean, the, there are enough studies that are out there, not, not just ours, not just what our, we're seeing from our clients, but what we're seeing in the market from other studies, sales go up. Now, you're doing the right thing for the environment. That, that should be enough. Your costs are going down. Uh, that should be enough your employees are happier, healthier, and more productive, that should be enough. Your attractiveness to investors, both debt and equity, and the cost of capital goes down, that should be enough. But oh, by the way, it gives you a new talking point to differentiate from the guy down the street and take market share. I mean, it's just, it's the way of the world. People people want to move their business to good corporate citizens, and this is the tool.
0: Okay. Thank you. If you can turn back time, would you change anything? (laughs)
1: Yes, of course, I would, I would, I would change many things, but, but I don't think I would change any big things, you know, the, maybe a, maybe a conversation that didn't go well, or, or, or things that I, that I should have zigged versus zagged, but in terms of direction of, of where I'm at, and, and where I am today. I'm, I'm very happy. So, I mean, it, I may have not got here the, in, in the path that I thought, but am I happy with where I'm at right now and who is around me and, 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 and my life proper? Absolutely. I, I would not change that.
0: That's all the questions I have today. I would like to thank David for your time. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you for listening and see you next week. that brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.